Transferring wealth successfully starts with asking yourself questions that will give your family a better life now and for generations to come. In this podcast, financial professionals John and Michael from Copper Beach Financial Group guide you through eye-opening questions to help you discover the truth about your wealth. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to The Truth About Wealth with John and Michael Preece of Copper Beach Financial Group. Gentlemen, what's going on today? Hello. Eric, we're, Hello, Eric. We're doing good. Getting ready to go on vacation for a couple of weeks. Oh, nice. All right. My daughter's getting married on the beaches in Turk and Caicos. So I'm looking forward to wow. doing a destination wedding with her. She's real excited, but she's all, she's all stressed. Prides are all stressed. They just... Just chill. Yeah, we guys just don't have to go through all that, right? (laughs) I know. She's 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 getting her dress, you know, fixed. Does she get matched her shoes? Whatever. She's she's cute. But anyway, so we're looking forward to it. It's gonna be a great trip. Yeah, yeah. No, I I uh I remember I thought, man, this is this is what is the big deal? I mean, the dress, the whole thing. I'm like, I just run don't a tux. Even say, don't show up, <laughs> Eric. Don't even ask that question. Oh, no, no, Eric, that was, you're that was me when I was like fifty percent of our audience right now. <laughs> yeah, no. they're, they're, they're okay, let me clarify. Us. I was twenty when I was asking those questions, and I was a moron. So uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now I know you, better. You do nothing. <laughs> you do nothing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. What so are we talking about besides weddings? What are we talking about today? Well, today we're we are going to talk about a topic that uh, comes up a lot, but it has come up more recently, and uh, it's one of the more difficult challenges that families we work with have when they are designing their estate plan, and that is how to pick the right trustee. So that's what we're going to cover today. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> now, can you can you go ahead and define what a trustee is in charge of? Maybe we start there so that we can figure out why it's so difficult to pick one. Sure. Well, well, the trustee is really in its simplest form is it's a, a person that has legal title or owns legal title to property, but they're a, they're a fiduciary to use that property for somebody else. And so when we look at an estate plan, the trustee is really the person that's in charge of everything. So if you form a trust, you have to nominate a trustee. Now, depending on the trust, that could be yourself, could be uh, a family member or a third party. We'll get into a little bit of, of those decisions. But mm-hmm. the trustee is really the manager. They're, they're responsible for running the trust, administering its terms, making investments, making distributions. So they have a lot of uh, authority and, um, and power, and it's a big decision, which is why we thought we'd get into you know, how to pick the right one or some considerations that you might think of in picking a trustee. Okay. Yeah, and the, and the challenge of, of you know, all the years I've been in the business is there's always, well, what if things don't work out? <laughs> I always get to the conversation, you really can't manage from the grave. Because remember, a trustee takes charge when mom and or dad or both are no longer here. Mm-hmm. And they guide the, the trust assets to the beneficiaries, how they're managed, how they're distributed to Michael's point. So so it's it's always that 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 issue is, is that person going to do the right things? And, and we'll get into how we kind of spread that out a little bit with a discussion with uh, how we pick them. Yeah, and one, one of the things that, uh, that we get into a lot at Copper Beach where it's another role of the trustee or some one of their other responsibilities of a trustee uh, that, that very often doesn't get discussed a lot, but I think is important, particularly when you start talking about generational wealth protection and governance and all these things that we've really talked about on on other podcasts, but that's this idea of a trustee being really a mentor. So it's to your point that when you start forming these trusts that maybe are going to be in place for 
generations, how do you pick a right trustee that's really going to act as a mentor to the beneficiaries of the trust and future descendants of the family? And that's a role that uh, doesn't really get talked about a lot, but it's a really important one, we think, because there's very often not much of a relationship between the trustee and the beneficiaries. And we think that that is not always a good thing. In fact, it's probably not a good thing the majority of the time because now you're creating this relationship between the trustee and the beneficiaries that that's a really is a close close one. And so if there's not that relationship between uh, between those two parties, sometimes generational plans can go awry. So I think having the trustee as a mentor for the beneficiaries can really help combat that a little bit. Yeah, I'll jump in. My my my, my trustee is Michael. After my wife and I pass away, I'm lucky to have Michael take that mm-hmm. role. And we've had conversations with my daughters that Michael's going to take this active role. And they say, "Thank God," because I don't like money. Mm-hmm. I don't want to deal with it. I mean, mm-hmm. we trust Michael; he's a great guy. But there's always a question that comes up: is what if they don't get along? What if mm-hmm. something down the road occurs that? You know, they think he's not running the trust the right way. So there, there is that conversation goes back and forth, although they get along now. How do you ensure that? And we can get into a little bit how we handle that. But that's always these question marks we get. And there's really no right answer, Eric. I'm, I'm going to get right to it. Yeah. There's really not a right answer. You have to pick someone. The good news when you design these trusts, and Michael, Michael maybe get into this a little bit, you could have the power to replace trustees uh, along the way, either by mom and dad, or if they're no longer here, the trust, the beneficiaries can replace the trustees if if they feel that the trustee is not doing what they are supposed to be doing, managing the trust. So mm-hmm. there are some loopholes and opportunities to replace these folks, but it's a challenge to do so because if it's in in the case of the kids, they've got to go to court, they got to. You know, they got to put a proposal in front of the judge to replace the trustee, and sometimes that's arduous at best. So, but it, but it is a challenge. But uh, that, that we try to always pick the right one. But but you really can't manage it from the grave. You got to make make the best shot possible. Well, let me let me ask you a question because I want to yeah. go back to something that Michael said uh, about the relationship, right? And mm-hmm. it, there there needs to be a relationship there because, like you said, uh, Michael. It, the trustee kind of needs to be a mentor. So I want to ask a question about ages, right? So let's talk about the different ages. So if you have kids that are under 18 and then then children that are above 18, um, I guess the first part of the question is maybe a little bit complicated, but I know you're going to be able to handle it. Can a trustee also be a guardian, okay, for for younger children? And is that a possibility? Is it a good idea? Is it a bad idea? Number two, if the kids, if the children are adults, then does the trustee, is it better to have a family member or is it better to have somebody outside the family? No, those are, those are really good questions. So the answer to your first question is yes, they can be the same person. So the, if, if anyone is designing their estate plan out there or is thinking about doing that, uh, the, and you have minor children, the most important thing, aside from any financial capital that you might be dealing with, the most important thing to, to deal with is if something happens to you and your spouse or you know, if you're if you're just a single parent, you know, if something happened to you, what or who would you want to raise your children as mm-hmm. a guardian? That that's a really really important role to pick. That's that should be laid out in your will, uh, because if you do not, then the courts, as you mentioned, Dad, this is another area where the courts would come in to mm-hmm. appoint a guardian, and that might not be somebody that uh, you would want. So the guardian is really important. Now, 
the the guardian can be the same person as the trustee now there may be there might be good reasons to do that and there might not be good reasons to do that i think from our experience we we tend to see more families when we're dealing with an estate plan with uh that involves minor children that the parents decide to separate those two roles so they would have one person be the guardian and that would be the person responsible for raising the children until they reach 18 and then they nominate somebody else a separate person to be the trustee because they like to separate those two uh, roles so that's typically what we see but there's no there's no rule that says that you have to do that mm -hmm. yeah if you want to dig a little deeper in that the reason why you would split both roles you might want to point the trustee that has more ability to understand finance that could run a portfolio or make investment decisions on 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 behalf of the beneficiaries mm -hmm. whereas the guardian is that heart from mom and dad that yeah. that warm person that the kids can share values with that person and that person has the values to share back to the children and raise the children accordingly or at least as close to, to where mom was and then that's a hard person to pick but that's why we we separate them like like to separate them uh, and not put the pressure on one having both roles because that could be that could be a challenge yeah that's important and more, more, I guess more negatively, uh, a lot of families are concerned about there not being checks and balances when you have mm -hmm. one person taking over both of those roles. So there's really nobody that's that's controlling where that money goes because the guardian uh, is obviously sitting on both sides of that um, of that relationship. And with the child being a minor, they they may not be in the best position to be able to combat that. So that's another you know you hope that that doesn't happen, but the, but that has happened. Yeah, and one of the other protections we put in trust and i'll let michael outline it for us is they're referred to as a trust protector so michael why don't you talk about that role that's new to a lot of a lot of families we come across they're not used to hearing that term a trust protector but there's a reason why we bring that up in our meetings yeah that that's a that is a it's a relatively new newer role that a lot of jurisdictions and, and states have as a an acceptable role that you can have in your trust. They're a little different. They, they're not a fiduciary, typically, although there is a lot of court battles on whether or not they should be considered a fiduciary or not. The, the law is a little gray on that right mm. now. Uh, but their, their role typically within a trust is to maybe be given limited administrative powers. And really the most common one that we see is the ability to remove and replace a trustee. So if the family nominates somebody as a trustee and the trust protector seems to be or seems to believe that the trustee is not really enforcing the trust the way that uh, the creators wanted to, they can have the power to remove and replace that trustee with somebody else. So that is, again, when you start talking about flexibility with trusts, that, that could be an important role. You should talk with your attorney about you know, how that might fit in your plan and what, what state you're living in, because that all does come into play as to whether you can incorporate that role within your plan. But it's, it's one that has come up more frequently, we've seen uh, over the past probably five to 10 years. Yeah, and I'll go back to the beginning for a second. Uh, it's important to recognize that this is a very hard decision by every family we've worked with because it's a very, very big responsibility that they're putting on this trustee to manage the assets, and sometimes they're substantial for a long period of time uh, uh, over the course of maybe a lifetime for the kids. So that role is very important, and we always get that conversation back from families. Well, that's a big responsibility. What if they decide that they don't want to 
do that anymore? How do I deal with that trustee? Well, the trustee can resign and appoint another trustee if, if the powers in the trust calls for that. Yeah. So we make sure that happens. So if you, if you understand what we try to do with these trusts, not only to protect the beneficiaries, but also help the trustee with the flexibility mm -hmm. to be to opt out if they choose not to. That's why we ask our families to come up with two and maybe three trustees. Boy, that's a party. <laughs> we yeah. have great conversations with that. And they go, you want to come up with two or three? And the answer is yes, because you want a successor trustee in case that first trustee that you picked says, you know what, I'm not interested anymore. My, my life changed, I'm not healthy, or whatever it might be, mm -hmm. that they just said, I, I don't want to do this anymore. So there's already someone in line that you want to be in line versus that trustee saying, I'm going to pick Uncle Harry. I think he's a smart guy. Yeah. I got the power to do that. So Uncle Harry now runs the trust. So we, we ask families to come up with not only one, but two and three as a tiebreaker. <laughs> just in case you have co-trustee roles. So so this is not an easy topic, and it, that's why we're bringing it up today. It's a topic you should spend a lot of time with your spouse with to discuss who that important person could be in this trust, and if there's two or three that you might want to lay out there as well. And, and make sure you work with your advisors very closely on this because they're, they're going to be designing the documents and they, they will need to understand these parties involved. Now, if you go back to one of our podcasts about legacy letters, if you recall, that's also now an added value that mm. we incorporate in our discussions because if you have that legacy letter, that gives more protection from a communication from mom and dad who are deceased to that trustee to say, here's how I want you to manage the assets for the children, here's our values, here's what we're trying to accomplish, here's mm -hmm. our vision for our family, so it helps that trustee manage it even better. So as you can see, this is a heartfelt topic. It's something they spend more time on than they usually do, and and it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a challenge. It's well, with that say. much responsibility, and yeah. like you said, it could be extremely complicated with the various um, funds and properties and, and assets, uh, can they be compensated and should they be compensated? And how does that work? Yes. Y yes, they can be. And, and uh, well, my, my, my personal belief is that they should mm -hmm. um, because they are taking on a large responsibility, as you can imagine. And, and it's legally, uh, it's legally binding. As I mentioned, it is a fiduciary relationship. So they are taking legal responsibility over what mm -hmm. happens to that trust. And I think, you know, for that reason, they should be compensated fairly uh, for that role. So, yes, you absolutely can. How's that structure? I'll share a story with you real quick. I, I had the conversation yesterday with one of my clients and friends. His uh, his aunt was um, had cancer and she got real sick, and her son didn't want to take care of her. So John became the guardian, and because he took that role, she was healthy enough to say, "Listen, I want to make you a gift every year to you and Debbie, your wife, as it relates to." You know, because you're taking care of me. Well, she got dementia along the way. She passed away. The son inherited the whole estate and now suing my client to go back and get all the gifts that, that uh, his mother made to John and his wife. Mm. And he's going to lose the battle. But, so you have to really be careful how you, what roles you take and what communication is written down and who knows what, or you can get yourself in a, in a, in a pickle. I didn't mean to go off that track, but as you see how, how hard this could be when you say from your heart, I'm going to take care of you, I'm going to take that role, but it affects the families sometimes negatively. So you got to be careful. 
I mean, getting back to your question, Eric, I think, you know, very often we see if there's a family member that's appointed as a trustee, a mm -hmm. lot of times they, they will not accept compensation for it. Uh, I, again, my personal belief is that the trustee should accept compensation, particularly if the asset makeup of that trust is substantial. If you think about, you know, you can have businesses owned in a trust, you can have real estate, and all of that has to be managed by that trustee. They're they're really in charge. Now they can delegate certain responsibilities. You can you know you can hire an investment manager to manage the assets. You can hire an accountant to do all the all the tax work. But ultimately, it's the trustee's responsibility to make sure that that all gets done. So I, I think it is appropriate to have a, a compensation schedule that's in place for that person, you know, to, to compensate them for their time and effort. Is there such thing as a trustee coach? I mean, I just... <laughs> yeah, that's us. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's yeah. okay. So that, that's what I'm asking. You know, families can pick somebody who is whip smart, knows finances and all that stuff. But with that much complication, this is a brand new role for them. This, everybody needs help, right, with, with a learning curve like that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, we get challenged all the time because, Michael will tell you, most of our families, when we have this discussion, they look at me and Michael, after because we, we built trust with their families, they go, we'd love to have you guys be trustees. Unfortunately, the SEC does not allow us to take that role mm. as a conflict of interest. Okay. And they get disappointed because, you're right, that trust issue is important and to find someone you can trust that can develop the relationship with the kids, which is really what our role is, if you think about it, with our families and our family office model, we just can't take that role. So we become that coach as you, as you bring up. Now, one of the things we often talk to them about is if you're not comfortable with the trustee having to make all those decisions, you can create a co-trustee with an institution, yeah. like a bank mm -hmm. or a trust uh, company. And they become the administrator they become the one who manages the, 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 the role of the trust that's from, the, from a financial standpoint. And that other trustee could be more of a family member working with the kids and, and getting, you know, getting them comfortable with what's going on. So if you're not comfortable with the savviness of that trustee, you always bring a corporate trustee and they will charge probably, depending on what state, I'm going to say average 3 to 4% on the, on the size of the estate. So if it's a million dollars, do the math. That's what they charge on an annual basis because you have to file tax returns. I mean, it's, it's a lot of work. It's administratively. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the other thing, if you are, so that was one, one topic we were going to cover is, you know, who can be the trustee? So you, you brought up that third-party institution, and, and that a, a, can be a good option. I, I tend to see families not start there. At least that's from our yeah, experience. They, they tend to prefer a family trustee or a family member unless they want to go that co-trustee route that you mentioned Dan, and then maybe they say okay I, I want to pair up a family member with that uh, with that corporate trustee uh, but one thing to consider when if you are going to go down that route is make sure that you have conversations with your corporate trustee around um, the asset makeup of the trust We've seen uh, some trustees, particularly banks, that depending on the asset makeup of the trust just might not want to take on that responsibility just because it might be too burdensome for them. So you really have to look at what assets might be going in that trust and then and, and have that conversation with that corporate trustees. You don't want to be surprised by that because that could, uh, that could pose another hurdle that, you know, it's hard enough to pick one trustee to have that hurdle might be you know, <laughs> hard to overcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you mentioned age a little while ago, Eric, and you're right. The the age is important because in, in my case, as an example, my wife's the current trustee over my trust, 
but she's getting older and 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 most certainly when she's no longer here and I'll, I'll go before her i'm sure that michael now steps in and he's 38 and my girls are in their early 30s so they have a lifetime in front of them mm-hmm. to work together as a family to guide the assets now if you don't have a child that's going to act as that trustee and you have an aunt uncle brother another maybe a sibling along the way that that's a that that could be a little different because they have to now take that role and their families are involved at this point because they're doing something you know uh, as a sidebar to running their family so it's it's a it's an interesting challenge for families to find that person and if, especially if you're affluent and you want to pass assets generationally think of that hundred year family that michael and i talk about think about a trustee a hundred years from now Who, who's that going to be mm-hmm. so families say okay john i i buy your hundred year family but who's going to be that trustee that's where that corporate trustee comes in because it's unrealistic to assume that you're going to know who that per, that party who that's going to be as a personal trustee in the family 50 60 years from now so that that corporate trustee could take a very very important role depending on what your your estate goals are yeah well that's a, that's a key component too that you that you brought up dad that can tend to complicate this process and that's really the the duration of your trust if you want to create that hundred year trust or that dynasty trust that very often t- tends to complicate the trustee decision as you alluded to because how, how can you predict you know number one what the assets might be a hundred years from now but who's going to be around that would really mm-hmm. take over that role it becomes very difficult to do that and again i don't think there's any right answer there because you can't really manage from the grave uh, from that standpoint but you, the, the, the length or duration of the trust can change the sort of the calculus and how you pick a trustee. If you, your intention is to only have a trust in place, you know, until your children turn a certain age, you know, maybe 25, 35, 45, uh, which, again, from our experience, we tend not to see a lot of our families go that route because they're more concerned about asset protection. We've talked a lot on prior podcasts about why you might not want to do that decision, but if that is what you want to do, now the trustee is really more of in a temporary role, all things being equal. So there's mm-hmm. really, so that might change the dynamic here. So as you see, it, it is, uh, it's very integral to, to, to really look at all of these different variables when you're designing uh, these estate plans, which is why, again, we, we take the time to really sit down with clients to, to go through it, because we've seen, uh, in an, unfortunately, a number of cases where the trustee decision was something that was sort of, oh, I'll just have, you know, my brother take over that role as an example. Mm-hmm. And that might not be, you know, number one, the brother might not really be, <laughs> might, might not understand that role, right? And so that becomes, it just becomes something that you really want to spend the time on. It shouldn't be something that's an afterthought, um, which is why we hope this podcast is helpful for everybody today that might be going through that. Yeah, and I, I've, I've had clients when they have drafted a trust and there's a trustee involved, I go, tell them about your relationship with the trustee, and they say, well, they don't even know they're trustees yet. I just mm-hmm. put them in there. Oh, well, wow. Well, how of a surprise that surprise, is. Surprise, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. because they, they never got around to talking to that particular family member and say, yeah. I want you to be my trustee. Here's, here's why it's important. They just went to the attorney and say, yeah, my, my brother... Uh, Michael's going to be the trustee, and he doesn't even know about it. So you have to really be smart about this. But here's the error that people make, and I'll, I'll, I'll get back to the generational piece for a second. We often get pushback from families saying, well, I'm not rich enough to have a trust. You know, I don't want to go through all the complexity uh, and all these steps. Well, if you live by the rule of 72, you've heard that before, 
you have to, and when we go through our audits with families, we actually show them a 40 to 50 year growth pattern on their assets. So you might not be worth a lot today, but mm -hmm. if you're in your forties and you live a normal life expectancy and you're supposed to die at age 85, if you look at that age of 85, what's your net worth? That's when that document's gonna be kicked into gear. So it's not today, although it could be today, you could die prematurely, but the odds of that happening are very, very low compared to living a normal, healthy life. So that's where people make these errors. So a trustee, if you have any decent net worth, you're gonna have a large estate somewhere down the road that has to go someplace, and that's why these trusts and trustees are important. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, and if you've, I uh, put a, a trust in place or an estate plan in place that had a, a trustee role that you've that you've nominated somebody to, to take over that role and you haven't looked at it in a while go back and go back and look at it I, that's another sort of item we've seen a lot when we go through our audits and we review older estate planning documents and there's been you know from let's say 15 20 years prior and you know either a the the trustee is no longer in the family's life or they're no longer alive. I mean, there's plenty of things that, that can come up. So it's always important to really revisit this on a regular basis to, to just make sure mm -hmm. that the person that you have picked is really the right person given the circumstances that exist today. Yeah, because you important. have the power to replace them while you're alive. Yeah. Sure, mo mo in most cases, yeah, yeah. That, that would depend on the type of trust and, and what powers are written in the trust that, that you can retain as a grantor. Again, that's all you know, something you need to consult your attorneys about, but you know, try to have that flexibility like you mentioned, Dad, is, is that that's always really, really vital. Yeah, so here, here's a quick recommendation to the listeners. I, if, if and actually we go through what we go through with, with our families in some cases, R write down names of family members, if you wanna stay in the personal side, that are important to you, share your values, that have some intellect on the financial side, and start nurturing that leadership role early on in your life because, because ultimately the, they could pay, play a very important role to raise your kids as a guardian or as a financial supporter. Mm -hmm. Now, if, if you understand the Copper Beach story, and I know you do, Eric, we, we, see more, six, we, we see more need for what we do on the backside of someone passing away than the front side building these plans. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about that question we ask a lot of families, who in your life, if you were to pass away, that would step in and take your responsibility of managing the wealth of the family for the benefit of your children and your wife. What advisor or person you have in your life that, that's, that's paid for that role? And we get blank stares. Mm -hmm. So Copper, which is built as a strategy to, re, to take that role. We work with a couple families now, we're actively in that role. And I think we're more important on that aspect of running a family than it is on the front side building the plan with mom and dad. So, so it's really interesting how you have to look at this on the front side and the back side, but these trustees can, can, can take that role on the back side, but they have to be the right trustee. That's why I put some names down, have conversations with family members that, you, that you're interested in asking if they would be willing to take that role, nurture them if they say, yep, I'd be more than happy to do that. You start developing a strong relationship with them, so the day when you're no longer here, you have confidence that they're gonna, they're gonna step in and, and take, take your place and do a great job for your family. Yeah, and, and to add to that, that's all really, really important. I, I would add, 
get your children involved if your children are of an age where they they you know understand these concepts and what you've put in place which brings back the family meetings that we do we've done a mm-hmm. lot of family meetings where you know the trustee of the family's trusts are an important attendee because they're really the ones that are going to be you know running the family's wealth as, yeah. as i mentioned that's going to be their responsibility so having them as a part of a family meeting and get, letting them get to know the kids maybe a little bit better if they're you know, maybe not a close family uh, relative, or if they might be a third-party trust company or a bank, you know, but get, getting somebody from that institution to maybe sit in on the meeting to develop a relationship with, with the next generation is really important, too, because, you know, it's, it, as we've mentioned a lot on the podcast, communication's everything when you start talking about 100%. generational wealth. Yeah. So that's, that, that, you know, family meeting can be a really important um, uh, component to really making sure everybody's on the same page, trustees, wealth creators, next generation, et cetera. Yeah, that's a good point Michael brought up because kids can't be co-trustees of the trust. They have limited uh, access. Mm-hmm. They can't touch anything in the trust. They have to go through the trustee, but they can they could be involved in how to invest the money. They could mm-hmm. be involved in you know h- how you implement a, a, a charitable strategy. Whatever it is, they could be involved. And that's good from a couple of perspectives. One, it allows the trustee, to Michael's point, and the kids to get to know each other. The second, it teaches your children how to, how to understand wealth, how to yeah. manage it, how to invest it, how to kind of run it through the generations for the benefit of their kids. So, so co-trustee roles, and we get that asked all the time, can my kids step in to be co-trustees? And the answer is, Absolutely. Now, what age is usually appropriate that we see? It's not. It's not wrong or right. Is when they hit in their thirties, you can make them co-trustees along the way. Now they they're partnering with that trustee to help manage that trust. Uh, you know, for for their you know for their own benefit. Again, for asset protection purposes, they can't go and grab assets. Mm-hmm. Remember, asset protection is a very big theme in our design. The trustee still controls and has access to all the power. I mean, you, you could draft it where they have 100 percent control, yeah, but, but that might not be the best. Yeah, for for those reasons, uh, mm-hmm. with, from an asset protection standpoint, you might not want to do that. But there's the, you certainly can if you'd like. But I yeah, I think the co-trustee role is a, a great feature. That we're seeing a lot of families actually more recently uh, taking a, take a liking to that because they want to make sure that their children and future descendants are involved in these decisions as as time goes on because you know when you look at the relationship of of a trust versus giving assets outright to children again if you don't do that communication and explain to the next generation why you're maybe putting assets in trust they they have this distance from the family wealth that they feel like mm-hmm. they're not really in a in a controlling position and, and, and it's not that you hate, hate to use the term ownership but that's they don't own the assets because it is owned in the trust but because they can take over a co-trustee role now they're having more of a sense of control over the direction of the family's wealth as as they get older as they mature with their family so that is a, a nice feature that we're starting to see a lot more of um, in, in, the, in the plans that we're working with families on right now well I would, I would yeah, think that, that would also give the trustee an opportunity to assess the growth and development of that child, right? Um, fulfilling sure, oh, that sure. role. And if at some point that trustee says, I need to hand off the mantle, I need to be done, either they're going to find another trustee or they're going to say, you know what? They've developed into a very responsible young adult at 30, 35, 40. I, I believe they can be full trustee. Is that an option? Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. That's, yeah. That, that, that's definitely an option. In fact, you're, you're bringing up something that um, – 
in a book that I think we've mentioned a couple times on, on the podcast called Family Wealth by James Hughes. Um, he, he uses this term, the trustee, as a, as a regent. If you think about in a sort of a monarch type of um, uh, relationship where where maybe let's say the king is uh, is too young to take over the the kingship mantle, there's a regent that's that's appointed mm-hmm. to really run the kingdom until that child becomes of age. And he sort of makes this uh, analogy between that and the trustee where the trustees may be taking that role until they you know believe that the child, has reached the age where they can manage it themselves. So that's absolutely a, a common theme um, that many families will look at. Again, I always, or we, I should say, always push back at. That's f- certainly fine to do that. The challenge we always have is from an asset protection standpoint, sometimes those interests are competing against one another mm-hmm. because if that trustee, now I think you alluded to the, the, the third party trustee maybe resigning and appointing somebody else, that's fine. But if they resign and give 100% control to that child, that might erode a little bit of that asset protection uh, themes that the mm-hmm. family may want to incorporate. So you, you have to balance those interests. There's no right answer to that, but that is certainly a strategy that can be employed if you want. Well, you guys have covered a ton, and I know that's exactly why you created this podcast is to educate the public, uh, not only to, to keep the ear of your clients, but other people that are tuning in. And you've got a lot of listeners. And I'm, I'm hoping that right now some of the listeners are going, oh, geez, I'd really like to review who I've picked as a trustee. And I could probably. They are, trust me. Yeah, exactly, right? So now they're, they're, they're wanting to bend somebody's ear, and that's you. Um, so how, is it, how do they best reach out to you to, to make an appointment to say, hey, look, is this the right person or not? And, and help me form you know, a good team around me. Well, you can if you're on social media, you can always reach out to us on on LinkedIn. Uh, that's that's probably where we're most active. Um, so you can reach out to us there. You can also reach us on our website. That's www.cbfgllc.com, and our phone number is area code eight five six nine eight 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 three zero zero. Fantastic, guys! Thank you so much for your time today. It's always a pleasure. I always learn a lot, and you answered all my questions. So that was that was fantastic. I like that. Great. <laughs> that, we always try. We try. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Eric. You do a great it's job. Been great. And Thanks, uh, of course, our last thank you always goes to you, listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Truth About Wealth podcast with John and Michael Paris. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when John and Michael come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks so much for listening today. For everyone at Copper Beach Financial Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Truth About Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Copper Beach Financial Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. This material is for informational purposes only. Neither APFS nor its representatives provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Please consult your own tax, legal, or accounting professional before making any decisions. Copper Beach is not affiliated with American Portfolios Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolios Advisors, Inc. Securities offered through American Portfolio Financial Services, Inc., a member of FINRA SIPC, 
investment advisory and financial planning services offered through American Portfolio Advisors, Inc., an SCC-registered investment advisor. These opinions are subject to change at any time without notice. Any comments or postings are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or other financial instruments. Readers should conduct their own review and exercise judgment prior to investing. Investments are not guaranteed, involve risk, and may result in a loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Investments are not suitable for all types of investors. Copper Beach is an unaffiliated entity of American Portfolios Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolios Advisors, Inc. Any opinion expressed in this forum is not the opinions of American Portfolio Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolio Advisors, Inc. and have not been reviewed by the firm for completeness or accuracy.